Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Decal Download Podcast. We're your source for the latest news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. I'm Reg Griffin. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week. You can always find us at decal.ga.gov or we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and more. Well, occasionally here on the podcast, we like to open it up to our decal team as well as followers on social media to ask questions of Commissioner Jacobs. This is an opportunity to talk about a wide variety of topics and to discuss those issues that are concerning you the most. And Commissioner, with your permission, this is one of those episodes. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while, so happy to answer any uh, questions that are on the minds of our decal team or or others out there who listen. Well, you know, we get anything and everything on this episode, so buckle your seatbelt, everybody that's listening. You buckle your seatbelts as well, and we'll just dive right in. Well, as you know, some of our most popular podcasts have to do with financial assistance for child care providers in Georgia, as well as anyone eligible working in the child care industry. So how about a quick update on stable short-term assistance benefit for licensed entities and power providing our workforce essential recognition? How is uh, How are those two programs going? You know, they're both going really well. We're getting the money out the door um, as we promised, which is the whole uh, intent of the funding that we received from the federal government um, last year and maybe even the year before that. It's hard to keep track. So we've received in total just about $2 billion from Congress to help stabilize child care, support the workforce, support families, um, access child care, of course, as they get back to work. So stable um, as you mentioned, uh, we are in our fourth round, which is really our final round, but it's ongoing for, for a couple of years. So providers submitted an application uh, back in November, I believe. Payments began flowing then. And at the end of the day, uh, in 2023 and 24, they will have received over a billion dollars from us in stable payments. Um, that is what we have committed to so far. Who knows? There might be more. So, um, and we've heard really good response from that. They, um, this, this is done, the stable payments have done their job of helping uh, providers um, keep their doors open because we know there've been a lot of challenges that have been related with COVID and um, especially around the workforce and uh, recruiting and retaining teachers, which leads me to power, which we are in our third round of power. It's open uh, right now. And um, anyone that works in childcare, Georgia Pre-K Head Start, that works directly with children, um, not just teachers and assistant teachers, but you could be in nutrition services, you could be driving the bus. Um, you are also eligible for another power payment, which is $1,000 directly to you for working in uh, our childcare early education industry in Georgia. So at the end of the day, uh, when we close out this third round of power, we, have, we will have awarded over $100 million to um, the child care workforce, which is pretty amazing um, because it's well-deserved, obviously. I wish we could do more, but over $100 million, um, and we're glad we've been able to do that. Wow, that's very impressive. $1 billion to child care programs in the state, $100 million to individual employees in the child care industry. So very, very impressive. Um, we're in our fourth round of stable, third round of power, I know we've been trying to pull some data. There's an accountability element to the new uh, fourth round of stable. So what have we learned or what are we learning uh, from these two programs beyond the fact that we're happy to be helping our employees and the childcare industry? What are we learning? 
Sure. So uh, we're still waiting on report our first round of reporting for uh, stable forward, which is what we call that fourth round of stable. Uh, we had some little technical glitches, so we had to extend the reporting. So we should have some more information on exactly how programs are using it. If it's really done its job of keeping, um, you know, folks employed and their doors open and allowing them to continue to serve children in their community as their parents go to work. So more information to come on exactly the impact of stable that reporting, I believe, closes pretty soon. We had to extend it. And so uh, we will require quarterly reporting, uh, which is a requirement of receiving these dollars so that we have an idea of how they're spending the money and best how to support them going forward. And then as far as power goes, uh, we are still looking at the data from the first two rounds. But what it's told us so far is we've got about 37,000 individuals in the workforce. Um, what we wanna know and what I'm waiting to see is did it help with retention from the first to the second round? And I haven't seen that data yet. We're still you know, cleaning it up, of course, um, but I hope it will tell us if we have been able to retain some of these really important teachers in the childcare industry. So more to come on uh, the reporting and the data that we'll get from both of those programs. So I think our last economic impact study was around 2016, 2017. That number of 37,000, is that about the same as back then? So that was a little bit different, but we, in the economic impact study, we reported 67,000 individuals in the workforce. And that's what we were originally planning for. Um, but right now we're seeing 37,000 and that has held consistent from round one to round two. Um, so we think that's probably a more accurate number. Gotcha. Uh, let's go to one of our questions concerning power from Facebook. Our Facebook friend, Krishia Price writes, when will the payments go out? That's always a popular question that we get on social media. So um, it's my understanding that power round two, most almost 100% of them have gone out unless there are some issues that they're cleaning up. I mean, I want to say I heard maybe five people are still waiting on their power round two payment. As far as power round three, um, it should be another quick turnaround, quick process. You know, it's open now. As long as you can get those required documents in on time, um, and quickly, we can process those payments really, really quickly. So um, it, they should be going out in the month of June, you know, beginning of July at the latest. And, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds here, but um, we have a partner in the power program, and that's Care Solutions. And they actually handle the payment part. So if you have any questions, sometimes we do get questions on social media around, hey, we've submitted all the paperwork. We think we're done. Why is it taking so long? If, if you've got any doubt um, about that, then you probably should contact Care Solutions. We've got those numbers for you on our website at decal.ga.gov. Look across the top and you'll see stable slash power, and it will take you to either of those programs because we know we have a lot of folks interested in those. So, uh, Krishia, there is your answer. Uh, last month, our CAPS program announced that student parents are now a priority group for receiving financial assistance. CAPS is a program administered by DECAL that helps pay for child care for families with no to low income so they can work or attend school. And this is part of our two-generation approach to quality early childhood education, uh, Commissioner, really benefiting both children and their parents. Yeah, it absolutely is. And this has been a priority for mine for many, many years to be able to add student parents as a priority group, which, which helps you kind of move to the top of, of, of the, uh, the list to, in order to receive CAPS. Is what we've heard um, for many, many years through all of our grants and research and work, especially with our technical college system of Georgia, is there are a lot of student parents out there. Um, so students um, who have 
children that are in the childcare age, so zero to five. And one of the barriers to completing that credential or degree or whatever they're doing to go back uh, for their education is access and paying for childcare. And so by adding this student parent priority group, that gives them a better chance of us helping them with that, that one barrier that we can hopefully break down for them. Uh, but again, on the other, it's a two-gen approach, so it's also helping their young child because it's giving them access to high-quality early learning, which we all know is so important for brain development and getting those children ready for kindergarten. And they're more likely to meet all the important benchmarks when they've got that uh, early when they when they benefit from an early learning environment and a quality rated program. So yeah, it is part of our two-gen uh, approach and helping the whole family together, which for this specific example is uh, providing that financial assistance so that student parent can go back and get that credential or degree while at the same time their child is benefiting from a high quality early learning experience. And it's early on in the program, but are we hearing from people taking advantage of this? Yes. So uh, we announced this and opened it up in May. And uh, the last numbers I saw, we've received over a thousand applications just from student parents. We didn't know exactly what to expect. There's not a whole lot of data on how many there are. Uh, but we were excited to see um, that uh, our partners at TCSG and USG and others were able to help us get the, the word out that this is available. And we've seen over a thousand individuals apply so far. So just in a month, uh, that's pretty impressive. So obviously yeah. the need is there. We don't know how many are out there right now or how many might be encouraged to come back as a result of this program uh, if, because it has not always been available. And uh, now you're part of a priority group in the CAPS program. So if you've applied before, uh, when you add that in with the fact that we've changed, we've added 10,000 slots, we've changed some of the uh, requirements, the income requirements around uh, CAPS, you might wanna try again um, and see if you qualify now. Um, well, since February, we've been working on something called the Clean Water for Georgia Kids program. It's a partnership between the Georgia Department of Education all about identifying and removing lead from drinking and cooking water. Uh, and we're offering a lot of this, this monitoring for free. Um, how's that going? You know, uh, this has been a great partnership with the Department of Education. They received a grant and then um, partnered with us to get the word out to child care because we know how dangerous lead can be. Um, and this is a free program where an organization will come out and do an assessment um, at your child care program. And if they do uh, see any lead in your drinking water, we'll give you some really low cost ways uh, to mitigate that issue. Uh, but you know what, we have a lot of room left. So um, any child care program that wants to participate, it is still available and it is absolutely free. And I know some folks may uh, you know, be hesitant to say, well, if they find lead, it's gonna be too expensive to fix. But when we did our podcast, I don't know, a couple months ago, Reg, with the mm -hmm. experts on this, which encourage everyone to go listen to to get more details. Um, they really had some low cost strategies um, to help individuals really reduce that lead exposure, especially in water, uh, drinking and cooking water. So I encourage anyone right now, go ahead and apply for the grant, get those experts out there to, to help you uh, identify if you do have a problem. And, and they'll also offer some really low cost solutions so you can keep your, uh, your staff and your children and your facility safe. Yeah, just a couple of episodes back, if you want to go to our decal download website or wherever you find and stream your podcast, you'll see it only uh, maybe a couple of months back uh, when we originally announced it. Um, next, through our QIP division, we've announced another round of trauma-responsive care grant 
funding for community-based organizations across Georgia. These are $10,000 grants to assist local organizations in piloting or expanding community understanding of how early childhood trauma can impact future learning and development of children. Have we learned a lot from this program? You know, this has been a, a great grant opportunity that we've been able to provide to uh, many communities. And there's definitely been a demand for the grant program because we know, you know, even before the pandemic, there's trauma in every community, you know, among children and families and just stressors that daily life uh, causes. And then that's definitely compounded by uh, the pandemic. And what we wanted these grants to do was really for the community to come together with a collaborative um, group to really learn more about what it means um, to provide trauma responsive care in your community. So yes, uh, they're definitely needed and we've definitely learned that it's, uh, it's something that communities wanna focus on so that they can make their communities better. Now, as I look through the application process, sounds like it really stresses collaboration at the local and state level. Why do you think that's important? You know, because so much of this is happening at the local level. So while we can provide, you know, the financial support and some organizational structure and support at the state level, this really has to actually be implemented at the local level. So these grants really allow that collaboration to happen at both the state and local, which is where I think uh, most of the work happens and most and definitely where the impact is seen is at the local level. We might want to point out the deadline for these applications is June 15th. So when you hear this podcast, we're going to barely get it in just before the deadline. The grants are coming. The grants themselves are coming in August. So um, stay tuned for more information on that. But if you have not yet applied, there's still a little bit of time left for you. June 15th. Uh, is the deadline. Well, we always touch on COVID-19 and our response to the pandemic in these episodes. Is DECAL back to normal now with in-person visits across the board for every division? Uh, for, the, for the most part, yes. So uh, CCS is absolutely back doing in-person uh, monitoring and licensing visits. And so is pre-K. Obviously, we've learned a lot. And so some of this can be done virtually, the administrative paperwork type things that we check. So we are continuing to do some of it virtually, but we're at we're back to in-person so we can actually see the classrooms. Uh, our quality rated division will begin their in-person uh, assessments in July. So that's the one division that hasn't quite started. Uh, they had to become reliable again on the assessment that we use to determine the star rating and they will be up and running and back in person to do those assessments in July. So yeah, everything's coming back online, I guess you say, in person, uh, which we are very happy about. Now, we touched on this uh, a little earlier, the $2 billion that we received from the federal government uh, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I think we've got some money left over in spending the federal dollars, how much and we do. how are we doing? We do. So we have about $400 million remaining that is unobligated. So we've obligated $1.6 billion, which uh, we've talked about, you know, through many podcasts, some of them on here through stable and power and, and access and additional slots, cap slots and things like that. So we have obligated about $1.6 billion. We have $400 million left to obligate. I hope to announce that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we did some stakeholder engagement to give us an idea of uh, what the additional need is. And I think we have we have a, a draft together. And now we're really just making sure that uh, the projects that we will announce hopefully in the next couple of weeks, obviously meet the federal requirements of the funds, address the stakeholder engagement. And it's something that we can actually administer here because obviously, you know, administering $2 billion to get out the door 
is a ta- is taxing on our capacity here at DECAL. And so we've got to make sure we can do a good job of getting those dollars out the door. So I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks, we can announce those final plans and begin implementing uh, the rest of those dollars. And, you know, a little perspective here, you're talking about $400 million, which what in 2019 was your budget for DECAL or close to it? So when you think about federal dollars, yes, yeah. uh, just to put it in perspective. So we've received $2 billion in, from the federal government. And usually we receive between 300 and $400 million on an annual basis from the federal government. So um, wow. huge increase, a lot of responsibility. And we take it very seriously. We want to do uh, the right thing to make sure we are impacting the child care industry and children and families and teachers in the most positive way. We really uh, put the pedal down on this thing when those dollars started coming in and just trying to get them out the door. I know that's been your focus is to get them out the door to the people that need it most as quickly as possible. And I think we've done a great job uh, of that. We've got some questions here. Uh, Here is one from a new employee who asked to remain anonymous. uh, And they say, I'm a new hire. So what are the commissioner's recommendations for a successful onboarding process for someone coming from a small work environment? Here at DECAL, there's so much information, names, people to know, paperwork, et cetera. What are the things to always keep in mind during the beginning in order to thrive and become a great addition to DECAL? And I like the fact that they add the podcast has been a great resource for information. Well, that is good. They've already listened to the podcast. Uh, Well, first of all, uh, welcome to DECAL. It is a great place um, to work. And I can understand it would be a little bit overwhelming, especially if you come from a small work environment to a state agency with over 700 employees and lots of different uh, divisions. But we're all working towards the same vision of ensuring that all children have access to high quality early learning no matter where they live. So I would say first and foremost, get to know your job um, and the responsibilities of your specific job and your specific division. Um, That's probably big enough. That's that's a task on its own, especially if you're working remotely. Um, It just takes a little bit more time to kind of get into the groove and understand the culture and the responsibilities of your own job. So I would say focus on that first. Uh, But then, you know, you can learn a lot about our other divisions, obviously, through the podcast, which she's already he or she has already mentioned that they listen to. We've got information on our internal website. We've got the quarterly um, decal uh, newsletter that goes out. Um, We just put out a lot of information on the history of our agency. And then, of course, we have that handout that gives you an information on all of our um, divisions at um, decal. So, Start with your own work, start with your own division first and learn as much as you can by reading and going to our website, listening to our podcast. And then, you know, talk to other, as you get used to that and comfortable with that, then I'd say branch out and and talk to other divisions. We do a lot of cross-divisional work, obviously. So this person will have that opportunity um, to slowly learn, but don't, don't make it overwhelming. You've got time, focus on the job that you were hired to do and get that done right. And I know everyone will be very welcoming. Yeah. I'll throw in one little personal observation from my own experience 10 years ago. Now, I didn't come from a small work environment. I came from a larger work environment (laughs) into DECAL, uh, from the private sector into working for state government. But what I quickly did, and I haven't moved around a lot, I tend to stay for long periods of time. The prior job was almost 17 years. This has been 10 years. But I found someone that I connected with that was a friend and a counterpart here at decal that I didn't feel ashamed to ask what I considered the stupid questions. 
And there are no stupid questions. I mean, you're new. And so there's no reason for you to know all the acronyms, for example. And here at DECAL, we love our acronyms. We love acronyms. We love a good, um, uh, what do you got, a nickname <laughs> for something. You might not know exactly what we're talking about. So uh, find that friend, make that friend that you feel comfortable asking. And, and if you need a friend, you can always call us in communications. Uh, Jerry Brown and I are happy to answer any questions you have. And again, I say there are no stupid questions. There are just new people into an organization that don't know all of the nuances. So don't beat yourself up over that, most importantly. Uh, let's go to Instagram. This is Georgia, I guess it's G-A-T baby writes, will the BFTS website ever have a place where childcare centers can search for teachers to work in the younger classrooms, just like they have for the pre-K lead and assistant teachers? Uh, you know, obviously we don't have that yet, but that's definitely something we could think about. Um, that would just take some coordination um, and the willingness of our childcare providers to send us that information and a system which to, which to collect it. It's a little bit easier with pre-K since uh, we directly fund those programs. We know where the openings are. We know where the classrooms are. And we're talking about 3,800 classrooms. When you think about, um, you know, childcare over the entire state of Georgia, we're talking about um, 4,500 programs with multiple classrooms. So it will be a little bit more um, administratively intense to get something like that organized, but not a terrible idea and something that we can uh, definitely look into to see um, if we if that's something that we could get up and running where programs could list their, their job openings to help folks find those jobs. Yeah. And you've explained very well the reason we do currently do it for pre-K teachers and assistant teachers within that smaller universe. This is a bigger universe, bigger but universe. we'll look into that. We'll yeah, definitely look sure. into that. Uh, Rebecca Ellis on our team asked the following question. What advice do you have for being a working parent with little kids and not getting completely overwhelmed? Huh. Well, I don't know if it's possible to never get completely overwhelmed. So when I started a decal, my son was five and my daughter was one. And so, um, I get it. Uh, we have a lot of uh, working parents here that have uh, young children and heck, as they get older, it's just hard. So not to, uh, not to be uh, bad, bad news here, uh, Rebecca, but I don't know that it gets easier as they get older. But uh, just I mean, some things that worked for me was, you know, I always made sure I had some backup help. If you can find it, if you've got family that live close by or friends that live close by, because you never know when you might just need um, a little bit of backup when something might run over or you have a child that's sick and you need to be at an important meeting. And so um, I think it's important to have that, you know, some help if you can from friends or family or neighbors, whatever works for you in your situation. Also think, you know, you've got to prioritize what you got to do at work and what you got to do at home. Maybe you can't get to everything in one day and you can some things can wait until the next day um, at work and at home. And so I think it's important to prioritize, keep a good list. Um, and then personally, I've learned and it's been hard. Sometimes I just have to say no to things um, that maybe my children want to do or activities they want to do um, or, you know, making a, a, some event at school or at sports. And sometimes I have to say no. I try not to. And I don't want our, our decal team to have to say no and miss out on important family events. But sometimes you just have to say no so that you don't get completely overwhelmed. <laughs> but it's not easy. No, it's not. And we never said it would be. But yeah, welcome, <laughs> welcome to life. Boy, I'll tell you that 
look so far in the rearview mirror for me now because my daughters are 30 and 28. Uh, but I do remember those busy days. And um, thankfully, we were always there. I mean, I, I, someone gave me advice early on with young kids, and that is just be there. They'll remember if you were there. So be yeah. in the stands, be in the audience be there to support them. And it, it's so important. Uh, I love this next one. Carrie Ashby writes, I heard Moonlight Through the Pines, the singer-songwriter soiree was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Carrie Ashby is the executive director of the Georgia Foundation for Early Care and Learning and was responsible for Moonlight Through the Pines. Just want to add that caveat for our <laughs> podcast listeners. She asked, though, what was your favorite part of the evening? And will we know how much money was raised to support the foundation? Well, Carrie, I agree. It was fantastic. And we're so glad uh, that we were able to reschedule from a rain date for March. And uh, you and TCSG folks made it happen in May at Bobby Jones uh, Golf Course. It was uh, it was just all around great. It was a beautiful evening. The weather was great. A lot of folks showed up and the golf course and the clubhouse were just uh, amazing. And so it was just favorite part of the evening was just actually being together outside, uh, listening to music and supporting uh, two important causes, obviously our foundation and then the TCSG foundation. Um, I know that it had to be a successful event because I've heard nothing but, uh, you know, good reports from individuals that attended. And so, yes, we will eventually know how much money we raise. We got to pay all the bills and then um, and then settle up, if you will. And so, yeah, I'm sure that it was successful. And I can't wait to hear what we raised uh, for the Decal Foundation. Well, the golf course and uh, clubhouse, beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. If, if you haven't had again. a chance. Yeah. Anybody, if you haven't had a chance to see the Bobby Jones golf course, you need to go. Yes. And, uh, and they were a great partner too. I have mm -hmm. to say that they had their own, you know, private nonprofit foundation and they were a great partner in this too. They've never done anything like that before. And so, uh, we were able to convince them to partner with us and I hope they enjoyed it too, because I'd love to do it there again. See, I was keeping my eye on the grounds crew when we were setting up a stage on the final hole. Yeah. And I, I know how meticulous they are about perfectly, you know, keeping the, the, the greens perfect and all that. And here we are setting up a stage, <laughs> but it worked out well. It, it really did. And uh, thanks to Coy Bowles and all of uh, his friends that he brought with him. Uh, always uh, fun to be around Coy and uh, his counterparts. So uh, a great, great evening. And Panzika has a good question. She says, many of our family peer ambassadors have been inquiring about where to find help locating baby formula due to the current infant formula shortage. How is DECAL addressing this shortage that is affecting so many families? And what resources are available to assist families that need formula? You know, I can understand this could be very stressful for families uh, that have babies that need this formula. So uh, I've, I definitely feel for them. You know, DECAL doesn't um, provide baby food or baby formula. So there's not really a direct way that we can help. Um, I know most recently, and I think the biggest impact we uh, have shared is the changes to WIC. And Reg, I know you share that all over social media, that WIC has really put some flexibilities in place. So those families that do receive WIC have more options to buy that formula. So uh, that's definitely a way of us sharing that message, because obviously we don't we don't purchase formula. And so we don't really have, you know, a direct end with how to get more formula to families, unfortunately. But the WIC program has definitely uh, provided some more flexibility. And we've definitely help them think through um, those policy changes. So we're appreciative, to, we're appreciative of that and able to share that with um, our decal followers. Um, and then I've heard that, you know, um, 
the president is is making sure that he's getting more formula um, throughout the states. And so hopefully this will end soon so families don't have to worry about that because I, I hate to hear that as a, as a worry for families. Kind of the lead agency there, I think, is the Department of Public Health. Yeah. And so you can go to their website, uh, do a search for formula, and I think you'll find the new WIC um, requirements. And what they're doing is sort of uh, doing some waivers in various areas uh, so that you can hopefully have greater access to infant formula. So check that out at DPH. Uh, Amanda Van Meter writes, what is your favorite summertime treat? Um, either fresh grown tomatoes, because you can't beat a tomato sandwich. Oh, wow. That's the truth. Or a BLT. I can just do a tomato sandwich, though, yeah. as long as it's on white bread. A, or watermelon. Like, those are like, they only taste good in the summertime. And so uh, fresh tomatoes and watermelon are my favorite summertime treats. I love that. <laughs> homemade ice cream. Oh, I love homemade ice cream, but yeah. you can do that any year. I mean, you could do that year round. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much better though when it's hot. <laughs> when it's hot. Know? Yeah. Really homemade is. ice cream is delicious. <laughs> All right. Well, those are all the questions that we uh, received from social media and our own team here at DECAL. Of course, you can always ask Commissioner Jacobs a question here on the podcast. We call it the water cooler question, and you can send those in to us. Uh, record them, send them in to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. You can also send us your written questions, and we'll be happy to bring those up the next time we get together for a chat with the commissioner. And commissioner, as always, thank you for uh, participating. Well, uh, anytime, Rich. (laughs) Did I have a choice? (laughs) Uh, Not really, but (laughs) kind of like to make it sound like that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Now, what are your questions for Commissioner Jacobs? Let's go to the water cooler. Hi, I'm Amy Hill, and I work in the Audits and Compliance Division in McDonough. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, Audits is back in the field conducting site visits now. What do you think is the biggest advantage for divisions of DECAL who are able to return to in-person site visits? Well, hi, Amy, and thank you for for your question. Uh, you're right, Audits is one of our many divisions that are back to doing their in-person visits which I think is great. There's nothing like um, being in person, um, having that uh, human to human contact, um, whether it's you're doing an audit and, you know, looking at paperwork or CCS folks are, you know, making sure they're doing their licensing and monitoring visits. Uh, What's good about it is we can really take a hybrid approach. We've learned so much uh, through COVID and being able to shift some of the things that we're required to check. And we can do that virtually, which, you know, gets us out of the program for hours and hours upon uh, on a day, but we can also be in person. So it's kind of the best of both worlds when we've been able to figure out that um, virtual process while also um, limiting our time in programs as much as we can, but also having that human to human eyes in the program um, interaction, which I think is a huge benefit to the work that we do. And I think you personally really enjoyed the announcing the uh, finalists for teachers of the year in person this year versus yeah, virtual. that was our first time we'd done that in gosh two years I guess yeah. um, so there's there's just nothing like it I mean zoom is a great substitution uh, no doubt but you just being in person uh, you just can't substitute that so it was really good to be back for me too to be into programs and interact personally with children and teachers and, and others walk through the door of that's a right. real place yeah that's, right. that's good And it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to a question. You could win a nice prize from Chick-fil-A, Georgia Aquarium, Georgia Lottery, the School Box, Shake Shack, 
Waffle House and Wild Adventures Theme Park, as well as World of Coca-Cola Museum. Here is the question. What did the commissioner say was her favorite summer treat? What did the commissioner say was her favorite summer treat? Email your answer to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers and send you some great prizes. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for listening to the Decal Download Podcast. The Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning improves outcomes for children and families by strengthening early learning experiences in partnership with early education programs, professionals, stakeholders, families, and communities. Their vision is that every child in Georgia will have equal access to high-quality early care and education. For more information, visit their website at decal.ga.gov. Join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.